gobble, gobble. It's me, Father Thanksgiving, here wishing everyone in the Zero Credits fam a happy Thanksgiving and a merry Thanksgiving. <laughs> wow, thanks, Father Thanksgiving, for being here, and welcome to Zero Credits, the show where we give thanks about things. I'm Holiday Henry. And I'm Cornbread Stuffing John. And together we're Holiday Henry and Cornbread Stuffing John coming at you to wish you a happy Thanksgiving and talk about all of the cultural happenings around the table that is stuffed with bad food, good food? Jury's out. It really depends. Depends on who's cooking. Right. As, As any meal does. It depends on who's cooking. Now, Henry, quick question. What's up, John? Cornbread stuffing or regular bread stuffing? Um, I guess it has to be the cornbread stuffing. Right, I think cornbread stuffing is objectively better. With a caveat that I didn't know regular bread stuffing was a thing. Oh, it's for sure a thing. Like the Stouffer's like, uh, stuffing mix, that's Stouffer's? made with regular bread. I've never had a Thanksgiving meal that's been prepared out of a box before. Wow, talk about privilege. Th- this, honestly, I will say, I will finally, in, for the first time in my life, cop to some privilege. The only things coming out of a box on Thanksgiving usually were the was like the mac and cheese. Oh, your mac and cheese came from a box? Gross. It always does. It always does. The, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty similar. Like, all my all my Thanksgivings were pretty traditional. Nothing really came from boxes. I think the closest thing was uh, we never made our own cranberry sauce. That came from oh, a can. But I've right. changed. I, as an adult, prefer to make my own cranberry sauce. But I like the kind that comes in the can. Only to play with. I don't eat it. Are you a jellied or a twigs? I don't know what the other one's called. I like the one that well, you pour it out. You're not supposed to do this, by the way. You pour it out of the can and you leave it in the can shape. Oh, so yeah, you can, absolutely. You can see the rings from the aluminum still molded into it. Apparently, you're supposed to like like chop that shit down and like mix it and you know make it real good. Or heat it up. I don't know. I've never had the cranberry dressing or the sauce, whatever you want to call it. I'm kind of a purist when it comes to Thanksgiving, and then I only eat the stuffing. Okay, I'm. I think that's pretty fair. Stuffing and gravy can get you a pretty long way. I don't like gravy. It's all dry as a bone. Oh no! So you just eat dry stuffing? What a psychopath! No. So the stuffing that I've had in my life has been usually moist, usually really juicy and moist and good. Yeah, but I mean, like, just add some gravy to that, double the moisture. Uh, too much moistness. Like, like a, a good Republican pundit, <laughs> I find I find when there's too much moisture, you need to call a doctor. Yeah, I mean, that means your Thanksgiving dinner has a diagnosable medical ailment. Uh, speaking of things we uh, do or do not choose to put in our mouths, it sounds like you opened a beverage. Oh, John. Oh, John, have I opened a beverage indeed? This was a drink left in my house after a very successful fire party. Um, And I believe you brought this and left it and abandoned it with care. 
Can you abandon something with care? <laughs> are you ab- I think babies are typically abandoned with care. When you leave them at, like, the firehouse? Yeah, exactly. All right. This is a Shiner Trail Ale. Um, it's a trail-mixed-inspired ale brewed with chocolate, nuts, dried fruit, and natural flavors added. And let me tell you, it kind of tastes like a banana bread. Let me tell you, I did not leave that for two reasons. Uh-oh. Uh, Firstly, I don't particularly care for Shiner Bach or Shiner's beers. Ruby Redbird's okay. Uh, secondly, I don't tend to like beers that are like brewed with stuff that isn't what beers are typically brewed with. I'm not a big fruit beer or okay. like or like gimmick beer. I think our good friend Sam might have left that. Well, Sam, I'm drinking your beer. Um, and I guess I, I'm more receptive to these kind of uh, gimmicky beers because I drink a lot of porters and stouts that are frequently brewed with chocolate or coffee or milk. Um, And this kind of tastes like a watered-down porter a little bit. And let me tell you, it's pretty good. Well, I, on the other hand, being the uh, obnoxious beer purist... Now, I didn't realize going into this that I I would actually take it out of you, your choice of beers, before I went into mine. Because mine is going to sound very uh, snobby. I'm drinking an Austin Beer Works Wet Hop IPA, uh, which is co-brewed, or at least made in collaboration with Crosby Hops. It sounds like some some double moist action going on there. Oh, absolutely it is double moist action. Now, Crosby Hops, of course, you're aware, and most of the listeners are aware, is a uh, very highly regarded uh, hop farm in Willamette County in Oregon, and oh. uh, this wet hop IPA is a super limited edition made with hops that were shipped the day after they were picked in uh, in the Willamette Valley directly to Austin Beer Works to brew this uh, once in a lifetime beer. Do you think that they're playing off wet hot American summer? I think they have to be, but also the term wet hops is used when you're Ah. brewing. Like, super fresh hops are either called fresh hops or wet hops. But I I think there is a wet, hot American summer thing going on. Right. They haven't had time to dry off. Now, of course, they they couldn't call it a wet hop American IPA, because American IPA is, as we know, its own style. Right. Yeah. They would have to make it in the style of an American IPA. Uh, when instead it is actually super, I mean, it's it's just delicious. It's very good. Okay, well, we've got a couple of good brewskis, and we have a couple of sad news announcements to make for our dear fans. Oh, other than the fact that uh, regular bread-based stuffing is dead in our eyes? That was the first sad thing of the evening. Uh, regular bread stuffing is now illegal in the eyes of Zero Credits. Uh, But the second sad thing of the evening is that this is the last episode that will be recorded and airing in November. Yeah, you know, when Henry came to me with the news that this was the last episode of Zero Credits that we would be airing uh, for the rest of our lives. In the month of November. It hit me pretty hard, but I think... In the month of November. It hit me pretty hard, but I think I've come to grips with it, and I'm okay with Zero Credits ending. In the month of November. It's ending in the month of November. You're right, Henry. Uh, It's very sad. No, all I'm trying to say is we're taking Thanksgiving week off because both of us have been slammed by life repeatedly, 
And uh, I feel like we could use a break. Yeah, I really need a week off. Now, am I taking a week off of work or my creative pursuits other than the podcast? No, but I am getting a little bit of that bandwidth back uh, by not doing this podcast for a week. And for that, I'm grateful. Right. So we'll be back in December. Um, wait, let me check calendars. I figured out fucking time works. Um, we should be back the week of November 29th, right? Yeah, we're, we're, so we're going to record in a November, but we'll release it in December. Yeah. Yeah. That, that works. That works. Right, so this is the last November episode, and that means we're going to chock it full of delicious, heartwarming, home-style content. So it can last you for two weeks. And uh, to that end, it's very lucky that both of us, John and I, have nothing this week. Absolutely. Like every other instance in your life where you've had to do the one last thing before you don't have to do it for a while, the amount of effort and time that it went into this was, in fact, lower than the median amount of effort that goes into your typical yeah, uh, zero credits episode. Yeah, I, I, it's it's I, a real I, assignment turned in before fall break situation. I yeah, I really don't know what happened. Um, normally, I have a lot more time to research. Like uh, just citing the last episode that we had so much to talk about. We talked. We went over time, and then ju- I think it's because this is my last full week before a break. Uh, like at work. I just, I'm kind of clocked out in all regards. Like, I'm clocked out at work. I'm clocked out of my creative pursuits. I just want the week to be over so I can go on vacation. Uh, vacation brain. I, I don't have any vacation happening next week. Though my company gives us uh, a lot of days off for the Thanksgiving holiday. So, I really, everyone's going to be phoning it in next week anyway, if they're there at all. Do you mind if I ask... Because my, I'll, I'll say straight up, my company gives me Thanksgiving and then the Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, what what does your company give you? So on the calendar, we get Thanksgiving and the Friday after off. But typically, from talking to people, it sounds like everyone's told to go home at around noon the day before Thanksgiving. Anyway, that's very generous. Uh, yeah, we. I was surprised uh, to be very boring moving from finance and banking to tech because I thought I'd lose holidays. This company actually has more holidays than working in finance, which is a very lucky position to be in. Right. Yeah, that's very good. I think it's because without giving it away, your company is very much involved in work as like a product. And so... <laughs> Absolutely. If our whole thing is like we want to make lives for workers better, it would be pretty fucked up if we made the lives of the workers on the like white collar side of the company worse. Right. Yeah, it would be very hypocritical to have a mission to improve the lives of workers and and then they turn around and it's all crunch time and and no no generosity. That would be very funny. Um, I mean, I don't think I'd, I'd consider it very funny, but I see where you're coming from. <laughs> right. So, yeah, we're kind of light on content Also, this I'm week. planning for a wedding. I know that I m- mentioned on the podcast I'm engaged, but just FYI, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of mental energy. And when you're not planning for a wedding, you kind of just want to, like, sit there and either watch Succession 
or Ooh, watch how, clips of Dragon Ball Z. How good is this season of Succession so far? I haven't far? watched the most recent episode, Ooh. but the previous episode was... Uh, every episode has been completely amazing. Every episode of this this third season would have been like a highlight episode of the oh, previous yeah. two. It, it's crazy to me because the first two seasons of, of Succession were, were pretty like slow burn building up to these big moments. But this third season is like every episode in this third season feels like one of those big moments from the previous two. Yeah, like the 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 whole like Shiv uh, address with the speakers thing then turned into the whole like investor meeting thing in New York. It's a whole different thing. Every yeah. character. What what I like about this show is the people who make it are really smart and they know that this season is like the inflection point season so every character is at their most vulnerable and it's electrifying to watch it's amazing it's so good i can't believe a show i started watching ironically because it was winning all these awards and uh you know the first couple episodes are kind of slow so I, i would watch them and then as the credits started playing i would mock clap and go greatest show on television and then like after i did that three times i was actually caught up in it yes I uh, a lot of people I started work, watching in the first season and people said, "Oh, you know, I I irony watch it or I watch it cuz it's trashy." But after like four episodes I was like, "No, this is actually like one of the better shows that is airing on television unironically and genuinely." Yeah. I really love um one of my favorite things about the show and, and an article came out about this recently. But just the uh, the set dressing they do for these lavish rich people apartments that are just basically vacant. They look like catalogs. I really enjoy <laughs> thinking about people living there because it's like you don't live there. You, you know, you, you probably stay here in maybe a month or two, but this is not a lived in space. Yeah, I mean, you can, I think you can set dress pretty easily, but also have a lot of fun doing it when you do that, because these people don't live there uh, day in, day out. Uh, I I thought, uh, I don't want to talk like succession spoilers. Greg's apartment is a masterpiece in environmental storytelling, how every time people are in it, uh, it's like, for the most part, until recently, it's basically a big empty warehouse because he doesn't know what furniture to buy. It's great. Yeah, it's it's really, I know it, it's great. There's a, there's a lot going on visually on that show beyond just the script that just produces these this kind of like haunted effect, and you're like, why do I feel like I've been watching Ghost? And you realize that rich people have nothing; their lives are empty. Yeah, there's a uh, I forget what I was reading, but was describing like uh, the reason why we gravitate towards like poor people on tv if portrayed well in something like shameless is because it portrays their life as a house of life meaning like things are constantly moving and there's like crayons on the walls and things are all over the place and the reason why we find it hard to connect with rich people in real life is that their lives are houses of death like nothing's lived in nothing's moved nothing's askew right Uh, Every place a rich person lives in is like a liminal space. Ooh, I love liminal spaces. Me too. You know, here's here's something about Succession, though. And this is, like, maybe my last Succession thing. There are a lot of people who don't 
get the show. And this is me sounding elitist, but they don't get the show because they think that they, as audience members, have like insight into these characters that they're like dumb or vain or self-serving or contradictory that they think are like failures of writing. And it's not. Absolutely 100% of it is intentional. Like Kendall Roy is like the most fascinating character on TV perfectly written no notes no notes some notes some notes some notes season two some notes i gotta justify my job some notes yeah you know there's no data on the show so i can't justify my job with it but right well just some notes i gotta move a comma here and there yeah kendall comma roy I really feel like it's stronger if, uh, yeah, there's a comma in between (laughs) first and last name. Yeah, it's stronger, and uh, that's why they pay you the big bucks. Right. It represents the pause that Kendall feels uh, between him and the rest of his family at this moment. Yes. Uh, His name changes in season three to Kendall Roy. Kendall comma Roy. The comma is said out loud. Kendall comma Roy. Kendall comma Roy. Uh, so watch Succession if you haven't. The first few episodes, you can watch it ironically, and then you'll get sucked right in. And then you realize this is Arrested Development, but serious. And then you'll have your own little suck sessions. <laughs> is that what they call the watch parties? I do. It's it's what I call my watch parties <laughs> of myself. But I do think if someone was to make a critical analysis succession show, if they really wanted it to take off, they would call it uh suck sessions. Yeah. And it would be very, very funny and everyone would love it. And the fact that we're doing this instead of that shows that we, uh, we, we have no marketing know-how. We don't know how to make anything good. But if we did that, millionaires. Instant millionaires. Even though I think there's already an official talk show about succession that's Oh, it sucks. Is it called... uh... (laughs) So remember The Walking Dead had The Talking Bed? And (laughs) Uh then... Uh Uh-huh. I might know where you're going with this. (laughs) Breaking Bad had Talking Bed. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Is the talk show for succession called (laughs) Talking Suck? (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's not. It's actually just called The Succession Podcast. Oh, really? And it's not even very good. A lot of the people that they interview on it are, like, pretty earnest people, very, like, successful earnest people from, like, the Obama administration who, like, don't really, I I guess, get what the, like, it's, it's all very top level. It's all very literal. No one's, like talking about the actual interesting stuff about the way that show is written for the most oh part. that's kind of boring i don't want to i don't want to i don't care about the the actual real world tie-ins I it's like if npr show. made a podcast about succession it's just very dry very literal no one is talking about the interesting implications of what people are doing and saying well that's not fun all right well we'll start our own ones called suck sessions uh-huh and, uh, yeah, I'm sure that won't, we'll get no crossed wires at all. Well, the problem is that if we were to do it, uh, I'd probably like swap you out for a woman, uh, just cause like, I don't know, two dudes talking about succession, not interesting. There's a perspective there. I'd also swap me out for a woman. 
Basically, people who aren't us should do this. I hear what you're saying. I'm resisting the urge to make jokes. Don't. Because... Don't resist the urge? No, I mean, don't make jokes. I'm resisting that urge. It's it's odd that we went with that name and then you immediately replaced me with a woman. Yeah, I don't read too much into it. The situation is fraught. You know what? I'm stepping back from it. All right, cool. We'll I'm step taking back on to... an advisory role to the suck sessions. <laughs> we'll both step back. In fact, we'll step so far back we can't even see it anymore. <laughs> Perfect. We won't be involved at all. We will carefully abandon this idea on <laughs> yes. the doorstep of, of people who are more capable than us. Man, imagine a, a podcast called Suck Sessions and it is hosted by 14 firemen. Uh, for those of you who don't know, in most states, it's legal to abandon a baby at a fire station. It's one of the uh, one of the only legal ways you can surrender a child, as far as I know. Uh, and in this case, our baby is a podcast. Yeah, our baby is a podcast. <laughs> that we would then abandon on a firehouse, and mm-hmm. then 14 <laughs> firemen... Fire people, really, uh, would have to care and nurture that podcast into being. I think a lot of them would really dig succession, though. So I think it, I think it would work out. Yeah, I mean, there'd be like one succession evangelist everyone else would get into. It. It'd be a great time. Yeah, I would listen to it, especially if they all sound like firemen, because they'll, they'll all be like, hey, I'm a fireman. Yeah, they'd be like, hey, I'm a fireman. Look, it's a fire. Goosh, goosh, goosh. <laughs> That's the sound of water. Goosh, goosh, goosh. <laughs> That's the sound of water hitting a fire. Yeah, everyone knows that famous automatopoeia. Goosh, goosh, goosh. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Anyway, moving on swiftly from that. All right. Uh, John, I know you watch Fox News. <laughs> Every day when I'm not watching Newsmax or OAN. So I know this, this story that I'm about to present is going to be of no surprise to you. Big old Tucker Carlson head over here. Uh, but Fox News unironically produced one of the uh, funniest comedy routines in quite some time. Oh? Yes, this happened on, I don't know the name of the show, because all of Fox News shows kind of look the same to me. And Oh, sorry, it's the Ingram Angle, maybe? Is that, is that a show? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a made-up title for sure. Wait, is it... Uh... A lot of uh, blonde women who look like that woman who had the dangerous weight loss cult in Tennessee. And then uh, a series of uh, fa- men who look like failures. You know, yes. <laughs> okay, okay. So I, I I think I know which one you're talking about, which is all of them. Right. So th- this particular comedy routine features, uh, I th- believe her name is Laura... Laura Ingraham. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great granddaughter of um, Mary Magdalene. What? There is a uh, there what? is a conspiracy theory in far right parts of the internet that says that uh, Fox News anchors all look the same uh, because they're part of the uh, of Mary Magdalene's bloodline. Or this Jesus is some crazy Da Vinci Code shit. Yeah, it's real angels and demons level. Anyway, all please right. continue. So she's the host, and she features in this clip alongside Raymond Arroyo, a conservative commentator and regular guest. Um, And this involves – they were having a discussion. Here's a bit of context. 
they were having a discussion about, uh, I believe it's Raymond Arroyo's theory that uh, television used to be more popular before it got woke. Uh-huh. Uh, and so he was trying to set up an example. And I have a script here, a transcript of of the, the proceedings, and I'll, I'll go ahead and read them. Please. I was watching an episode of You when measles came up. Looking puzzled, Ingraham interrupted. Wait, 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 she said. When did I mention measles? I don't know, said Arroyo. It was on you. What was on me, Ingram asked. What are you talking about? The measles in the vaccine episode was on you, said Arroyo. Ingraham became visibly annoyed. We never did a measles and vaccine episode. Is this a joke? I know, Arroyo yelled, waving his arms furiously. It was on you. It was on you. (laughs) Raymond Ingram said, I've never had measles. What are you talking about? This is stupid. Arroyo tried to explain. It was an episode of a show, Laura. Laura asked, what's it called? You. You. It's called you. Ingraham still didn't get it. What's he's talking? <laughs> what is he talking about? I've just never done a show on measles. I completely gave up. Give up. The segment ended shortly after. That's, you know, I've never in my life. Everyone likes to imagine that they'll be in a who's on first scenario. But I don't know that I've ever actually seen it happen in real life, and it's finally happened. It's finally happened. Who's on first? The famous Abbott and Costello, I believe? No, yeah, Mark's... I, I think that's Abbott and Costello. Okay. Famous Abbott and Costello routine. Brothers, I don't know. Not Marx Brothers. I think it's Abbott and Costello. They made, they made a mummy. Uh, yeah. Famous comedy routine about the confusing names of baseball players uh, recreated about... The next flick show you all he had to say is it's a show on Netflix, but he kept doubling down. It's on you. <laughs> it's on you. Measles is on you. Uh, yes. Yeah, that is. A, I'm I'm glad I, for two I, reasons for the show you. Number one, it, it's surprisingly good writing, and number two, that thing that it did to those people. It's great. Yes. Um, I, I really love that the entire argument that p- television used to be more popular before it was woke was dismantled in a single moment <laughs> by the just the title of a show. I uh, also television was more popular when it was woke. There's never been more people watching oh, wait, b- before it was woke. Yeah, but I mean, uh, there's never been more people watching TV than there is now. So it's not like it was more. Yeah. It's dumb. That's a dumb I, I, argument. Yeah, I think there's a, a multiple angles you could try to take to show, like, oh, more people tuned into the finale of MASH or Seinfeld than any finale today. But it's like, because there's more shows. Yeah. There's <laughs> We're not all shows, watching the like, same shit. <laughs> more importantly, everyone has access to a greater variety of shows that aren't, for the most part, tracked as strenuously or as publicly as like the Nielsen ratings for Saturday Night Live or whatever. Like people have tens of thousands of shows they could be watching at any given time. So more people are watching TV, 
Uh, are people tuning into the same thing at the same time? No, but that's just because there's more choice. Right. And that's why I always loved when um, the uh, former president used to always like be happy when people got bad ratings. It's like, well, yeah, because that's because we're all watching the great pretender on Netflix. You know, we're not watching the news because who would choose to do that? (laughs) One of my favorite things, and I'm going to try not to get on too much of a tangent about this. One of my favorite things of arch far-right conservatives, particularly ones that are over the age of 50, is that they're like drama-loving media mavens who like cannot let go of the idea of like ratings and award shows. Like it's the only language they speak, and it's just so campy. <laughs> right. It was all a clout battle, but it's like Nobody really cares about that kind of clout anymore. Like, e- even the people with a lot of followers on social media are like, who cares how many followers you have? It's all about the engagements, baby. I mean, you can even draw a line to people who are like far right or arch conservatives doing things that they don't really know will have the impact they do. Like, uh roger stone right like one of his effectively money laundering schemes for his legal defense was the stop the steal campaign oh i remember that it was just a fun grift for him to make some money to pay his legal fees and then it turned into people storming the capitol now granted there were a lot of uh media and vectors between those two points uh but these people don't know the effect they have on their base or what that ends up doing. Uh, it's it's very funny and also truly depressing. Yeah, we live in a sad state where everything is measured by Nielsen ratings and like clicks. Cl- I don't know. People send an emoji instead of talking to people. I know these names better than I know my own grandmas. Yeah, it's uh, it's a real problem. It's a real problem as highlighted in the documentary series, I Think You Should Leave. Yes, it is. uh, Anyone who wants to know more about the objective state of society uh, should watch the documentary series, I Think You Should Leave. For those keeping track at home, I am now at three Netflix shows dropped randomly into conversation. Yes, and this is a real F1 drive to survive, if I ever heard it. Is that a is that a Netflix show? Yeah, it's a Netflix documentary series about Formula One racing. It's actually really, really good. Okay, well, it felt a little forced. Okay, well, that's what you, Great British Bake Off, felt a little cue forced. <laughs> that felt a little forged in fire, if uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> Oh, I, I do know what you mean. Uh, I'm not saying we should give Fox News clicks or views, uh, but if you have a chance to somehow third-partily watch this clip um, of the you the use on first scenario that happened that we just discussed, I, I highly recommend it. It's actually really funny watching it live. Man, I guess I have to torrent an entire season of Fox News now. <laughs> Uh, uh, I can just retweet this tweet from Jay Lawrence on our social media. Uh, I don't know who, he's a late show person. 
Okay, well, probably he doesn't have, he or she doesn't have any bad opinions. Or they. Uh, uh, I don't know. And this, everyone, is the greatest video of all time, is the caption. I don't know. I'm retweeting this. Uh, it's on. So now you can go to our Twitter, at ZCPCWHJ, and watch the video. And hopefully Fox News, I don't know how fucking that works, but it's funny. It's funny. I mean, it's yeah, funny. We're not platforming them, so even if they get one ten thousandth of a cent from whatever views they get, whatever. Right. But it's funny. It is funny. You know what else is funny, Henry? Um, venereal diseases. No, those aren't very funny, though they're much more curable and manageable than people think. What? Yeah. Why would you think that's funny, John? How dare you? Why would you do that? You know what else is funny, Henry? Venereal diseases. <laughs> you know what else is funny? <laughs> uh, like venereal diseases. Ha, you uh, admit it. You did say it. <laughs> listen, venereal diseases are not funny, and herpes is not that big of a deal. Everyone has random red bumps on their body. What's a couple extra? Um. Okay. okay. Go. I would like to let you know that we have been remiss. We're remiss? No, oh, what are we remiss? <laughs> Once again, despite how com- how careful we are to not be remiss about things, uh, we are in fact remiss because we have forgotten a very important holiday. We forgot the face of our father. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, we have to find the tower, the man in black. The Yeah. Yeah. We forgot Monkey Japes. We forgot Monkey Japes, but we forgot an even more important holiday. Monkey Japes 2? In late October. Monkey Japes 3? Now, the difficult thing about October is that typically there's a fun thing that happens that wipes our memory of the month of October uh, every time on this podcast. However, a very special thing happened in the month of October, and let me tell you what it is. Uh, On October 22nd, that began the ultimate death of Quibi. Oh, is it like the anniversary of the death of Quibi? Late October of this year is the one-year anniversary of the beginning of the death of Quibi. Now, of course, the Quibi app was deactivated on December 1st, and the dissolution of the company happened throughout the month of November. But the first instance, the first symptom of the death of Quibi happened in late October when Jeffrey Katzenberg began layoffs, mass layoffs at Quibi of its entire workforce. I remember this happening when it happened. It's very sad that we forgot that, and I don't know that we covered it at the time, but I would like to remind everyone uh, that uh, the the beginning of the death of Quibi in late October was also party to the funniest thing that's ever happened. Oh. Uh, so quoting from Business Insider, in case we didn't cover this before, Quibi's founder, Jeffrey Katzenberg, told employees on a call on Wednesday uh, to listen to a song from the movie Trolls to help lift their spirits during the company's shutdown, according to a report from the Wall Street Journal's Benjamin Mullen. What? The, the company announced on Wednesday that it would shut down just six months after launching. People familiar with the matter told the journal that employees would be laid off and paid a meager severance. According to the journal, Katzenberg advised employees on the call to listen to the song Get Back Up Again, performed by Anna Kendrick on the soundtrack to the 2016 animated film Trolls. Uh, 
This is amazing. How am I just hearing this for the first time? I heard this recently, and I could not believe that this went under our radar. That Jeffrey Katzenberg, in explaining to people that their roles would no longer be required, says, you know what would really get you through this tough time? A song (laughs) from the movie Trolls released four years ago. So imagine you you find a job of an, an up-and-coming media project called Quibi. It sounds solid on paper. You know, people don't have a lot of time during their day to consume media. So during their lunch break, they can look at media on their phone and watch these really cool series done by really cool people, a lot of famous names behind it. And you watch it gradually fall apart. And you get the news that the the experiment has failed. All is coming to, to rot. You no longer have a job. But don't worry. You can find comfort in the lyrical stylings of Anna Kendrick per the movie Trolls. Yes. A media project you did not work on and your company does not own. It's uh, very funny to me. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, he was, uh, what, chairman of Walt Disney? Where else did Jeffrey Katzenberg work? I'm interested to see if he worked at the... Ooh, he was the CEO of DreamWorks Animation. I was about to say, I think he's the K in DreamWorks. Wait, hold on, What? When DreamWorks first started, there were initials underneath the DreamWorks logo. It was like Steven Spielberg as the S, and I think... Oh, like SGK or something? Yeah, and I think Katzenberg was the K. Oh, I thought every letter in DreamWorks was the... uh, I was like, damn, that's a very good backronym. Yeah, the D stood for Daniel. (laughs) Daniel J. Lewis. I have bad news. Trolls is a DreamWorks joint. So he reached into the back catalog. I I had to imagine the only reason he would know that song was in Trolls was because he had a hand in producing it. Uh, Do you think at that point, as Quibi was shutting down, I think Quibi cost like $1.75 billion or something for the six months it ran. Uh, do you think in the in that period of time he was like maybe I can now start my pivot back to DreamWorks? <laughs> I know if I get <laughs> he made a wager with somebody at DreamWorks. He's like, what if I get Anna Kendrick's song from Trolls trending again? Can I have my job back? <laughs> is the <laughs> is the few hundred people I'm going to lay off enough to get this video trending again? I've got a built in audience. They're going to have to listen to what I have to say. If I plug trolls and then they see a bump in their metrics, I can say I'm responsible for that and include a figure up 15%. I bumped Anna Kendrick's social clout by 15%. That's now a line item on my resume at Quibi. Yeah, they're going to hire me right back at DreamWorks to direct Shrek 7 Wild Hogs. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah, starring Tim Allen and the rest of the cast of Wild Hogs. Yeah, listen, it's a wild, it's an incredible pitch. You know how we replaced Tim Allen with Chris Evans because Tim Allen became a far-right crank who says that women can't do anything right? DreamWorks is replacing Mike Myers, who was Shrek, with Tim Allen. That's the step in, okay. I feel like that's a step in a different direction. They're they're replacing every voice they can with with far right cranks. <laughs> they uh they they uh they call up Tim Allen. Here's how the call goes. They're like, "Hey, look, we're rebooting Shrek. You know those noises you used to make in Home Improvement?" Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Err." He goes, <laughs> and "He's far, like, he still far, got far. it. He still got it. You're the new Shrek." <laughs> <laughs> Say Shrek's catchphrase. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's got uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. <laughs> harf, harf, harf. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, the funniest thing about Tim Allen becoming a right wing crank was like women can't do anything. Is he was a caricature of a man making grunting noises for like ten years on television. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes the issue is that you typecast people and then they are those people. Yeah. It's a real Woody Harrelson moment where you typecast him as being like a very intellectually astute uh, guy who is prone to conspiracy theories. And that's what he is in real life. Are you talking about 2012? Uh, Yes. Also, anything Woody Harrelson's been in. He's like just kind of a crazy but very smart guy. I swear, anyone listening to this, read Woody Harrelson interviews. He's a very smart guy, but he also, for a second, thought 5G caused COVID. So, you know, I think he's smart enough to outweigh that, but that is like not cool that he believed that. I don't know. I mean, even the smartest people can fall for the dumbest things sometimes. Look at every person who's ever lived. Every person who's ever lived. Now, of course, going back, it's been a while since we went back to this well uh, since the beginning of COVID. But of course, if you are one of the people who believes that 5G causes COVID, as we on the Zero Credits podcast do, the cure to that is to smoke 500 cigarettes in five hours to cure 5G. What? This is a well-known remedy that Zero Credits has uncritically endorsed. Uh, If you believe 5G causes COVID, smoke 500 cigarettes in five hours. Is this this from something? This is from our podcast. This is a thing you allowed me to say that we didn't even couch in parody. We said this? We definitely said this. Give me an episode and a time stamp. It was early in COVID days, so I think oh. we were I think we were both kind of flying by the seat of our pants and maybe advocating yeah. for activities that might kill people. I uh so every so often I'll take a look back into the portfolio of Photoshop uh edits I've made for this podcast. And I always cringe a little because you remember when COVID was first starting? Uh barely. It is a uh dark time in my life we made jokes about it <laughs> oh yeah i i think we made some corona jokes yeah we made some really like looking back 
It wasn't a good look for us. You know, it's one of the few times I think history can really hold us to account. Yeah, good thing no one listens to old episodes. I let you say smoke 500 cigarettes in five hours to cure 5G-created coronavirus? Yes, that is a thing that you allowed me to say. In my wow. defense, in my defense, in the early days of COVID, I was smoking and drinking a lot. You smoke? Uh, I mean, you know, not cigarettes. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, cigarettes, I gotcha. I mean, not cigarettes. To be clear, I do not smoke cigarettes. Stop I doing think that. I, I think that it's a filthy habit. I know, but still, I'm trying to let you not implicate yourself on... Uh, the well, podcast. Henry, I smoked Delta 8, which was legal in Texas until very recently. I thought it was still legal. I thought I saw a headline that the judge ruled in Delta 8's favor. Yeah, I think it's actually legal again. I still don't know what it is, and I still don't care. Eh. It's... I'm straight edge, baby. That's why I only drink non-alcoholic beers. <laughs> That's why I only drink non-alcoholic beers like this Shiner Trail Mix Stout. Oh, if you're interested, I've moved on. I'm on a Shriner Toasted Amber Lager. Lightly toasted barley and our finest hops. It tastes like water. Yeah, I, I would actually be very interested. Or I guess maybe we've got the tasting notes already. But when you move from a very aggressively, like, exogenously flavored beer to regular beer, beer tastes like trash. Like, you blow yeah. out your taste buds. Yeah, no, it's a it's a terrible thing, um, the mixing of beers, but then they sell variety packs, and it's like, what am I supposed to do? I mean, we just have to go back to the helpful mnemonic we all learned. Beer before beer, you're feeling queer. Beer before beer, now you are here. Oh, I forgot that one. Yeah, so just don't drink beer before you drink beer, but if you drink beer before you drink beer, you're okay. Right, yeah. And liquor before liquor, hey, who's having a good time? Yeah, liquor before liquor, someone's a kicker. For the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> You're gonna kick. You're gonna kick. Drew Brees, right? He is retired. Was he a quarterback? He was a quarterback. I still don't understand American football. He is now a college football commentator. Oh, well, you know, whatever. As long as he... As long as he makes that bread. He invested in the... Oh, hey, puppy. He invested in the restaurant chain Walk-Ons. Walk-Ons? Like Walk-On Phoenix? <laughs> uh, in, in sports terms, a Walk-On is someone who uh, doesn't... It wasn't drafted or traded for. They just... They want a chance to prove themselves in like the practice camp, so they just walk on to the team. Oh, so that's the name of the restaurant? It's the name of the restaurant. Bet it sucks. It's not that bad. Really, you've been? I've been to one in Slidell, Louisiana. Okay, sure. I uh, what's what's the fare at a walk-ons? I don't have anything else to talk about on this podcast. Oh, it's a, your standard American fare, you know, some comeback pub. sauce. I don't believe there was comeback sauce. Oh, interesting. Uh, because it's more of like um, an American fair with like a kind of like a Louisiana twist, at least the one in Slidell was. Mm -hmm. um, I don't it, So what was really weird, we were, we were there uh, for a while because we had a, bit, a large party with us and we were there so long 
that uh, the floor manager called all of the wait staff over and they had a weird cult like meeting in the corner where they just started chanting. Oh no. And it was really awkward because we hadn't like had her gotten our food yet. And it seemed like <laughs> maybe they could be like getting our food instead of chanting in the corner. It, it was just a weird experience. We had just seen um, the last Star Wars movie. Oh, um, Revenge of the Sith? No. No, um, a Rise of the Skywalkers? Ni- Rise of the Knife Map? And nobody wanted to talk about it. It was weird. <laughs> weird. It was like you go see a movie and you talk about it, right? Like you go to a, a meal afterward. No one wanted to talk about the movie after. It was yeah, like if strange. you watch like a Last Duel or maybe a Dune or maybe a uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. You want to talk about that for days, but for some reason yeah. just didn't want to talk about it. Nobody wanted to talk about it. It was... Yeah, just peculiar. So, yeah, I'll always remember Drew Brees' walk-ons as the place where I did not talk about The Last Skywalker with my entire uh, family and my wife's entire family. Uh, Yeah. I mean, a movie best forgotten, but of course that is the the walk-ons experience. There is a terrifying (laughs) chant right before you receive your food every time. Yeah, a cult-like meeting will happen in the corner of the restaurant. I mean, the, the, that is something that exists in like retail stores to a certain degree. Is this like cult like chanting? The, the degree to which the service industry has onboarded methodologies from cults, I think should be somewhat troubling to people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, one of the, the first thing cults do is indoctrinate the idea that we're all a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all a family at this Applebee's, Walmart, Target, Sam's Club. Yeah, right. So you're going to do more. You're going to go out of your way to provide for the family, right? Like, you're not going to let the family down. We're all family. You're going to do what the family asks you to do because that's what you do for family. Yeah, you get people invested. You make them feel like they're part of a, a larger, cohesive social unit that uh transcends rationality they're reliant upon it for their income or their housing it's classic cult stuff yeah i mean after all blood is thicker than water yeah blood is thicker than walmart Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) blood is thicker than walmart yeah except blood is thinner than walmart i get i don't well are we trying to say that people who work at walmart are cult members because i believe it if you've ever seen one of those huddle chant things that happens at a walmart oh, not it's good. weird it is really weird yeah i uh you know i think in a different life chris pratt would have been a really good walmart manager i'm I, i'm not convinced he's not a walmart greeter who keeps forgetting to show up for his shifts i mean he might be he's got that like infectious but like unearned confidence that I feel oh, like yeah. could really succeed in the Walmart ecosystem. All right. And for those of you who are like, what on unearned confidence? Let me remind you that this man thinks he can voice America's cat. Yeah, he can voice America's cat and America's plumber, Italy's um, plumber. <laughs> America's Italian plumber from Brooklyn. Yeah, it's very unearned. Made by a Japanese man. <laughs> Listen, Mario is a multicultural masterpiece. He is, yeah. He's he's the eclectic melting pot we should all strive to be. 
And Chris Pratt is not that. No, he's not. He lived in a van in Hawaii. Yeah, he lived in a van in Hawaii and sold Herbalife or something. I don't care to hear about his life story. Then stop talking about him. You brought him up. Okay, fine. I'll stop talking about Chris Pratt. Yeah, but if you want to catch him in The Ridiculous Six on Netflix, go right ahead. Uh, what is The Ridiculous... Oh, the Adam Sandler movie? I think he's in that. I have no idea. There was an Adam Sandler sans. Uh, which, of course, culminated in the seminal classic Hubie Halloween. I never saw it. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's an experience. I don't know. So, uh, between you and me, uh, the only Adam Sandler movies I've ever seen were Big Daddy and then Eight Crazy Nights. Oh, interesting. All and I've Spanglish. seen is Happy Gilmore and Rain Over and Me. Click. And, and Click. And Click and Spanglish. <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't know. I just remembered two more. I uh, you ever seen Rain Over Me? I saw half of that movie because I got home after seeing another movie. My parents were in the middle of it, and then I, I watched the end of me, of it, and it had no effect on me because I never saw the beginning. Oh, it's about nine eleven. Also, maybe that's why. Oh, you don't care about nine eleven? Wow, huge bombshell on the podcast. Can we get real for a second? <laughs> oh no, are we going to talk about 9-11? Uh, I think 9-11 was a tragedy, John, as every American does. Uh-huh. Uh, but I was a fucking kid. With, I didn't have the emotional intelligence to comprehend what was happening. All I know was they didn't allow us out for recess. I mean, I, I think I've maybe discussed this on the podcast before, but when 9-11 happened, uh, my brother and I were playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, oh, wow. because we were homeschooled and school didn't typically start till like, I don't know, 11 a.m. or something. Uh, very, very privileged, uh, I guess only in that way. But we were playing Yu-Gi-Oh! It was great. Went out, parents were very upset. And then we sat out there for, I don't know, the five minutes or so it it took for us to be like, I feel like we've given your grief enough space. Can we go back to playing Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's people are always like, oh, man, do you remember where you were? It's like, no, I was a kid. I was a mere child. I knew nothing. I mean, I remember where I was. I was just about to get Exodia. Oh, really? You had all five? Oh, for sure. I had... Actually, no. I uh, I had a blue eyes white dragon deck. Oh man, I a, thought a Kaiba was the best. A childhood friend of mine stole my blue eyes white dragon. No, so sad. Yeah. Ah, Yu Gi Oh, king of games, Yu Gi Oh. No duel masters, that's for sure. What? <laughs> Isn't duel masters the thing that came after Yu Gi Oh? What? There was a there was a like post Yu Gi Oh. Anime Yu-Gi-Oh, by the way, is the point at which like all this stuff really started to taper off for me. I got out of magic, I got out of Pokemon, I got out of Yu-Gi-Oh, and then all this other stuff, Beyblades happened. Right, I feel like Beyblades was the, the was the big thing after Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't remember a Duel Masters. Yeah, Beyblades was really the Beyblade that broke the camel's back for me. Yeah, I got real into video games because uh, you didn't need to lug all those fucking cards around. I kind of want to get back into magic, though. Oh, The Gathering? 
Oh, no, just close-up magic. Ooh, it's real popular right now. I'm like, ooh, what's that behind your ears? Is it a Black Lotus? Oh, the rarest card in the world. Yeah. Worth $6,000 new mint. Yeah, I can't believe how much of my... No, I can't I can't say what I was about to say, because it makes me sound very, uh... Like a, like a prick. Got that first edition Charizard uh, holographic? No, I just couldn't believe how much when I was a kid, like, the idea of a card being worth $100 eventually, or being worth $100, like, mint, yeah. was, like, such a huge deal. I'm like, fucking $100. Like, $100 is nice right. to me now, but, like, do you have any idea how many, like, mint charizards i would need to deal with all the problems i have in my life it's so many oh yeah no as a kid you're like whoa this piece of cardboard with this art drawn on it is worth a hundred dollars yeah i could buy so many more pieces of cardboard with art drawn on it exactly even like a black lotus like i remember when i was a kid the height of the value of a black lotus was like fifteen hundred dollars insane and now i'm like yeah fifteen hundred dollars would really be nice but like it's not that big of a deal i would need a lot of that rarest card in existence to make a dent in like buying a house you know what's crazy john john do you know what's crazy sorry i was finishing my beer what so a lot of people on the internet today are into these NFTs, these non-fungible tokens, right? Mm-hmm. I think our uprising, our upbringing predisposed just our generation into being more susceptible to these NFTs. And you want to know why? Uh, why? Pokemon cards. Magic the Gathering, Beanie Babies, Pogs, all of the toys, all of the collectible toys of our childhood had this weird notion that they would appreciate in value, which uh-huh. no other toy did. Yeah, I don't think that's really been the case since I think there was. You're totally right because the people born from the years like 1988 to 1991 maybe uh maybe 1990 i think that we we had like a real scarcity narrative through our formative years and it started with beanie babies yeah and then tickle me elmo happened in 96 and tickle me elmo was like a real tangible scarcity narrative because you saw it like even if you didn't want the tickle me elmo like if you were me it was seven years old and you had aged out of elmo uh but like you saw like videos on the news of people fighting over tickle me elmos and you're like oh these things are worth something and then uh in my case my parents like made a profit off of some of that there was a there was like a pokemon pokedex you could buy yes there was uh, and my parents found a way to like buy those from a JC Penny, like the second they were in stock and then resell them on eBay and make like a ton of money, Uh ton, 
I, I say that, but all of these things, the amount of effort and dedication that went into it netted people maybe like a couple thousand bucks. Right. Uh, which is ridiculous. But, but like, just the, the notion that you're going to buy this Princess Diana Beanie Baby Bear and it's going to be worth more money in the future because there's only so many they're making and you're going to have one of them. That's your college fund, this bear. <laughs> yes, your college fund is is this bear. There's no way this bear would get to a point. I, I really think for the most part, antiques and collectibles are like a loser's game. Uh, but to your point, I think that especially Pokemon and Magic cards really primed us for the NFT movement. Because they're oh, yeah. just useless pieces of fucking garbage that are worth something for no reason other than scarcity. I mean, at least if a Pokemon card, other than the rarity or the scarcity, uh, you could you can play the game with it. You can't do shit with an NFT other than try to sell it to somebody else for more money than you bought it for. Yeah, I mean, you can try to sell it to Jimmy Fallon if you want. Oh, is Jimmy Fallon into NFTs? Yeah, he made a post. That, I mean, Jimmy Fallon sucks, <laughs> but he made a post that's like, all aboard, and then posted like a picture of a NFT ape that was like a captain. It, Everyone, cr- it's so dumb. What's crazy to me, every NFT on the market today is just pure crap. They don't look good. It's not good art. Yeah, in terms of artistry, they're in the dumpster. Right. Like, the cool thing about Beanie Babies was, like, they looked cool to look at, and you could touch them. And if you were me, you had storylines, and you would act out little storylines with them, and then you would bring over your Pokemon plushies, and then that that was a whole other thing, the crossover events. Uh, Real big narratives going on in my household. Oh, Uh, yeah. Crossover events of the season. Oh, yeah. Um, But these NFTs, they look shitty. And then you got to convince people they're worth stuff. It's a a lamer Bitcoin. I don't know how you made Bitcoin lamer, but you did. Yeah, it is. uh, I mean, not more power to NFT people. Let me get on a weird soapbox about the NFT thing for a second. And it is... There, I, I think the wide majority of people don't give a shit about NFTs, and those are the cool ones. Uh, but there are people who care about NFTs too much in either direction, and they're, those are the big-time NFT evangelists, and they're the ha-ha, right-click, save people. Like, I right-clicked this, and now it's mine, and I'm going to reply to your Twitter thread and be like, ha-ha, I saved it. Good luck taking it back from me. Uh, both those sides suck. Like both are not funny, not interesting. Don't I do not care about either one. Uh the the only reasonable fate for NFTs is just for people not to give a shit about them. Right. Yeah. It's, I may uh, be even more annoyed by the right click save people because like <laughs> the right click save thing is a a joke and it's one joke and if you create an entire movement on the internet around one joke it's just not funny it's the boomer humor we're all going to repeat the same refrain thing and think we're the next Bo Burnham you know yeah it's it's the uh, Brad's wife kind of thing with the crack a barrel thing if you remember that happening this is the part of the conversation where you go what 
No, I, I know Brad's wife. Cool. Thank you. You're cool. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's the boomer whom you're thinking. Yeah, when everyone can use the same joke because it's like there's no setup, there's really no punchline, then it's really not a joke. Yeah, I mean, you could even extrapolate this out to something like a Let's Go Brandon. Like, it's not funny. If we all are sharing the same punchline. It's just everyone with the same kind of brain that you have has agreed that this is funny, but it's not. It's objectively, like, not a funny thing to do. And I think the reason why millennials are a fraught generation right now is that we've all got jobs. We're slowly getting kids and mortgages and stuff. And we are becoming boomers in that our minds have space for like five jokes. Uh, and if you're Wait, someone quick. who like cares, you can oh, like. Hold uh, on, quick. Name the five jokes. For me? No, for everyone. Oh, uh, right. If you're, if you're on, if you're on the left, I guess it's like a right click save your NFT. Okay. Uh,. Wait, uh, I, second one is imagine dying to own the libs. Imagine dying to to own the libs once. Or, or actually just anything owning the libs is Anything owning two. the libs is definitely one of them. Um Big Naturals. I don't know. Mommy Milkers. Mommy Milkers. Mommy Milkers really fell off. Good. I hated that shit. <laughs> I thought it was funny, but that was one like of my it. five jokes. I didn't like it when it was directed at human beings. <laughs> no, that's bad. Don't right. do that. Yeah, like when it's directed at, at actual people, no. As an abstract concept in the void of the internet, yeah, it was it was kind of funny. Yeah, uh, but all of this to say, like, people are getting kind of too busy to be clever and it's just making the internet a worse place well uh, uh, yeah i mean i don't fucking understand what zoomers are laughing about like i don't really get it they're laughing at us absolutely i mean we suck yeah it's really no watching zoom so i've gotten in the tiktok it's happened um but watching zoomers drag our generation for liking harry potter hilarious it's I great. mean, I've been doing that for, I feel like, a decade. You're be- you were before your time. But I think a- a- another side effect, like, other than just getting busy, is just we're getting older. And as we get older, our brains get dumber. That's just a fact. And it, I think it happens way sooner than people want to admit. Because when you're in your 20s, when you're in your college years, or if you don't go to college, it's fine too. When you're in your 20s, you're quick as a whip. You can cut anyone down. Everything is funny to you. You can even tolerate a Dane Cook now and then, you know, or or some other type of, of humor. But as you get older, you just get dumber, but you don't want to admit you're dumber. And so you just consolidate humor into your personal taste. And you're like, this is what's funny. I've been through all these experiences and only these couple of things that's what humor is and it's it's because i'm i'm more built up now i'm 30 but i think really what it is is dementia starts creeping in at 31 i i think i would maybe disagree with that to a point uh, is the point that dementia is actually a serious illness and it should not be used to make a joke point 
No, I think that's fine. Okay. Uh, but no, I, I, I see where you're coming from. And I think that, uh, that maybe Eastern cultures might have something to teach us there because like generally it's agreed upon, uh, in a lot of belief systems that as you get older, you just get more in, like when you're young, you're out, you're experiencing and learning and saying and doing, and like everything about you exists outside of you. Like you have massive weird fights on something awful, by the way, RIP low tax, may you rot in hell. Uh, that's a real thing that happened, but you can have like massive wide ranging fights on the internet and social systems. But as you get older, you just get more in and it feels like you're dying and you're losing interest, but you're just being forced to live in your mind and your body more. It's just less cool to young people to be that way. Yeah. I, you get a little more mature. And yeah, with that more yeah. mature, but also like you just have less bandwidth for being as out of your body as you used to be. I don't know. There's a belief that there's a reason why we get frail as we get older, because we're not supposed to be like, you know, cranking out pull-ups we're supposed to be thinking about our life and our loved ones and it's it's all part of a natural process well and also i i really feel like we're finally i feel like technology is finally catching up with our evolution the reason we get frail when we're older is because you don't really need the muscle mass to click buy on that nft i mean not me as i get older i'm gonna take so many steroids it's gonna be great oh you're gonna be like uh Kingo in the Eternals. Oh yeah, uh, I'm gonna be like Kingo. You know, I've seen the Eternals now, John. Camille Nanjiani. I'm not gonna knock him for his decision, uh, but I am gonna make a joke the internet has made. This dude got so buff to to fire energy out of his fingers. I mean, he did it, and he he, he didn't want special effects. He wanted to do he all looks, the stunts himself. I will say he looks he looks great. He looks great. The man looks great. I mean, we've had this conversation. Uh, we have on, not. On the, the man looks great. I mean, we haven't had this conversation. And let me say, I bet he looks great. He looks great. Eternals out now. Go watch it. Not on Netflix. Is it good? I very much enjoyed it. I just watched Shang Ch- Shang Chi. I don't know how to pronounce it either. Uh, it's okay. It's good. I actually think, in terms of Marvel movies, it maybe has some of the best action in the first half uh uh, than any other marvel movie it has the best sidekick absolutely i love aquafina aquafina is great their relationship is really good too they're just friends it's awesome yeah it's i think it's a very good movie Um, i I think the the end um, is definitely just a lot of people in front of a green screen but you know you get what you get a problem Marvel movies is running into right now is the fact that number one, they ended in with Endgame. They're mm-hmm. over, and they they, can't... they ceded the throne to the Venomverse. Right, they're over, uh, but they keep spitting them out. And now each Marvel movie, no matter what it is, uh, by the the third act of each Marvel movie that comes out is the fate of the world is at stake. That's a problem. Yeah. I, uh, this is why Spider-Man is good. Right. Because at the end of the third act of a Spider-Man movie, it's 
the the fate of of Spider-Man is at stake. I mean, even Spider-Man, the comics, the, for the most part, unless he's doing a crossover with a bunch of other superheroes and like an infinity war scenario, for the most part, the greatest stakes are his relationships or New York. And that's about it. Right. Yeah. I'm excited for no way home. I have not, well, I've only seen one trailer. I hope I don't see any more. I really, I wish there was a way to be, to like tell movie people like, "Hey, I'm gonna see your movie. You don't need to advertise to me anymore. Skip don't, me. Stop putting this in front of movies." Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm fine with trailers, but Spider Man is good. Kingo is in the he's, Internals. He's fu- I really like the Internals. I really want more. You know, I I hope it. I honestly feel like. Having seen the movie, I feel like for some reason, critics tore it apart for no reason. Uh, I don't know how many actual critics are tearing. I know it got like review bombed by users because people want to have like a grudge against it for some reason. Well, I, I can tell you why, I guess. Like one, one reason would be, you know, a woman director, a same sex couple in the movie. Um, those two things people tend to rally against for sure. And the main character is also a woman. People don't like that either. It's kind of, it shares a lot of themes with, uh, you know, equality and love, which people for some reason rally against. There's a lot of political reasons why people would rally against this movie. Oh no. People didn't, it didn't make headlines, you know? Do you mean they finally made a comic book movie political? I I I get the joke you're making. <laughs> I just want to say every fucking thing is political. No artist makes art in a vacuum. Everything is is in response to the world we find ourselves in. Everything is political. I I wish I knew what the inciting event for this was. And this is maybe the last thing we'll talk about. I wish I knew why this is the case. But a lot of people uh, who are shitheads seem to think like X-Men is now woke. I don't know if there's something like happening in the comics. What? (laughs) Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I'm going somewhere with this. No, 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 no. I'll listen. I'll listen. I'm just flabbergasted. But it's, it's funny to me. It seems like people... Something is happening in comics that makes a certain contingent of, let's say, shitheads uh, making a lot of posts being like, I can't believe X-Men is woke now and making a lot of like headlines on, on shitty comic book blogs about this. However, it's really funny to read some of these Reddit threads that have been collected because people are like, I'm trying to find non-woke issues of X-Men, but I can't find any. Like, I went back to 2012, and there's same-sex characters. I went back to 2004, and they're talking about eugenics. Where, where, did, where did they go wrong? Where can I find the arcs of X-Men where it's not woke? I'm like, you have fucked up. If you're thinking there is any issue of X-Men that is not extremely pertinent to our day-to-day lives, that is very left-leaning. Yes, X-Men is, the whole thing is an analog for race relations. It is the most uh, arguably woke comic book since its inception. Right, like the two main characters of X-Men, arguably, 
Charles Xavier and Magneto are stand-ins for Martha Luther King and Malcolm X. It's, listen, uh, you you won't find any argument here. X-Men has been politically pretty much right on uh, for for its entire existence, at least. But the the idea that these people are being like, let's be real. Other than a character like the Punisher, which that's not fair because the Punisher was actually satire, uh, but comic books are left-leaning, like popular yeah. American. Like, you can't find unwoke Spider-Man for the most part because Spider-Man is like a quote-unquote woke idea. Captain America punched Hitler. Captain America was supposed to be a, a stand-in for the fight against fascism. All comic books, for the most part, are pretty left-wing. And the fact that some people are... It's insane to me that there are these people out there who are like comic books that are too left-leaning right now. I mean, my favorite comic books are Watchmen, X-Men, <laughs> Spider-Man, yeah. Captain America. But then they got woke. It's like, shut up, dude. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, you could even be like, if you even cross the border to D.C., you're like... They're so left-leaning. I just want Superman to be Superman. It's like, oh, Superman? You mean the character who was created by two Jewish people because they felt helpless and powerless and they wanted a figure to give them hope and that America could actually be good for them? That, Listen, that's Superman? I that's just, Superman? I just want DC Comics to stop being woke. You know, I want to go back to... Green Lantern, who is a multiracial coalition of people who are fighting for the betterment of the universe, or Batman, who is what, which is ostensibly about mental illness. Right. Yeah. the The biggest fantasy about Batman is that a, a billionaire would actually want to give back to the people. Oh, absolutely not. Uh, Elon Musk lives in a tiny house, though. Why? Wow, fuck you, Bernie Sanders. <sighs> right. Old, old, old bastard. Man, what a trail we've been on. <laughs> Man, what an awful, horrible world we live in. Oh, God. I just... But as awful and as horrible as it is, John, I feel like we need to do one thing for the next hour. Next um, hour? <laughs> Right, so t- right here, this is a joke, by the way, for you, John. Uh, right here, uh, if you're listening to this episode and it is not yet the week of Thanksgiving, uh, stop listening. Uh, th- this next content is only for the week of Thanksgiving. We're doing it in the same episode as yeah, we're, last week. <laughs> ab- absolutely. We, we, we've packed this full of Thanksgiving content. But you Stuffed. Can- yeah, it's only for the week of Thanksgiving. So you had your hour plus. That was that was the last week's episode. This next bit is just for the week of Thanksgiving. We're doing it all at once for scheduling reasons. All right. I feel like I've vamped enough. They've paused. So- Welcome to the Thanksgiving <laughs> segment of Zero Credits. John, it has been a horrible world we live in. But in this time of giving thanks, let's just turn the leaf away from the anger into the leaf of it's orange because it fell from a tree. Because it's fall. I couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. 
It's fall. <laughs> Enduring fall. Turn the leaf from the anger and turn the leaf to the its orange. <laughs> it fell from a tree. Enduring fall. Leaves fall from... They turn orange and then brown and they fall from trees. And it's that's why we call it fall. Yeah, everything is falling. Everything is falling. But what a time when everything's falling apart. We look back and we think, man, what a good time it was before this point. You know, when the leaves were green and on the tree. We give thanks, John. That's why we call it Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yes. Thanksgiving, fall, it all makes sense. Uh, So, John, I just have to ask because for some reason I'm driving this. What are you thankful for in the Uh, year 2021? That's tough because I'm a famously unthankful person. And that's fine. Uh, But even Scrooge could yell at a boy about a turkey. So hopefully you can find something to be thankful for. Uh, no, I do think in a lot of ways, you know, in 2020, when a lot of people were like, 2020 has been the best year of my life. I can say definitively that 2020 was the worst year of my life, but 2021, I think has actually been pretty good. Uh, I don't know that I can come up with an itemized list. I'm obviously grateful and thankful, uh, for being engaged to my wonderful fiance. No response? I just don't want to burp. <laughs> uh, let's see. It seemed really rude to burp <laughs> right after he said that. So I was hoping you could continue and I could burp at the same time and then we edit out my burp. No, we're keeping all of that. Let's okay, see. Okay, cool. Uh, thankful for being engaged to my uh, wonderful, beautiful fiance. I am thankful uh, for uh, changing jobs which seems vain it feels nice i don't know uh thankful definitely uh for my friends who have been there for me through a lot uh you know if any of you are listening i greatly appreciate it none of you are on this call uh so (laughs) god damn (laughs) jesus but yes deeply grateful for my friends my fiance and my no i don't have a third f i'm thankful for that's cool i mean that's a lot you know your life is changing in more ways than one and it's really good to be thankful reflect don't take these things for granted you're doing a great job oh i'm thankful for my health which is i uh i don't know if i Showed this on the podcast. I can't. It's a, It's not a visual medium. I got my blood work done, and my blood looks great. And my doctor was like, yeah, you don't have to see me for like a year. You have no acute concerns. I'm like, but I drink so much and eat so much and do so little. Uh, so I am blessed with good health. Wow. I'm jealous. I do have eight hearts. That would help. Yeah, it's, it's you know, they're pumping away. I'm a, I'm a V8. Oh wow! I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> what a what a joke! You just sent a message in our Discord channel while you did all that. Amazing. Um, 
In the background, I hear my wife talking to my dog. Wow, that sounds like two things you could be thankful for. Well, thanks for undercutting the moment, <laughs> asshole. Uh, so, yeah, earlier this year, we adopted a monster named Deli, who is the only reason I wake up on Saturdays. And so I am thankful for this little monster to give me a reason to keep going. And I'm also thankful that I'm still alive. Because that can only give me more opportunities to potentially better my life. Okay, very good. Because uh, if it was, if my life ended tomorrow, I would look at this last year and think, "What the fuck was I doing? I should have quit on January first. I should have actually done something about this situation." I'm not thankful for the system of capitalism that ensnares people into jobs they don't like because their health care is tied to it. Their way of life is, is, is literally chained to horrible work environments. I hate that shit. But I am thankful for this growing movement of, of moving on to better jobs. To, to just bettering people's lives overall. And for the little furry monster named Deli, who lives in my house, and whose food is too expensive, and who destroys toys within the first hour that we give them to her, because she reminds me of a time when I was free, and I could choose to destroy and be wanton with money, because it didn't matter. And I want to get, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be reminded that that's what life is about. Living to the fullest, chasing after tennis balls and ripping things apart because who cares? Now, of course, I would be thankful for the brother of Delhi that we adopted, Leo, uh, but he did not two weeks ago destroy a $90 bed. So I am not thankful for him at this time. Yeah, you're about to have both of them for, like, five to six days? It'll be fine. I'll make it work. Right. If nothing else, Leo has a real problem in that when he's outside, there's nothing for him to have fun with, so he whines to be let back inside so we can come play with him. But hopefully he'll have a distraction. It'll be great. Yeah, it'll be great. The first couple of days, we'll try to kill each other. And then for the rest of the time, they'll be too exhausted to move. Sounds amazing. Right. It'll be so much fun and thankful. <laughs> fun and FNT. 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 You thankful for anything else? No, it's a, I, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I pretty much fiance, friends, health. Not right. thankful for my uh, destructive, stinky dog with a bad, bad mouth. Right, and on my end, you know, dog, and the potential that my life could one day get better. I'm thankful for potential energy. Yeah, you can be thankful for that. Yeah. Oh, and of course, I would be remiss. Oh, we don't want to be that. We would never want to. We would never want to be remiss. The more we say it, the more it doesn't 
feel like a thing people can be. I mean, I'm remiss 30% of the time. No, I would be remiss if, if we did not together collectively thank our dear fams, the people who listen to this podcast without whom uh, we would just be shouting into the void waiting to hear an echo back. We thank everyone who listens to the zero credits podcast. You guys make every week worth it. Yes, you are the wind beneath our wings, the flame to our candle, the seagulls screaming in our ears as we stand atop that cliff hewn of human bone. Wait, the cliff hewn of human bone? It's a cliff made of bones. And a we, bone cliff? we are standing on the bone cliff, and the fams are our shrieking seagulls, hectoring us, picking at our eyes and livers on a cliff of bones. Okay. What an image. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you just want to go where everybody knows your name. And then for uh, legal reasons, we have to give the thanks to the following people, um, all of the guests who have been on the show in the past couple of months. That includes Jeff, uh, Allison, Andrew, Michael. Uh, we also have to give a huge thanks to Vin Diesel for stoking the flames of drama every time he speaks. Uh, not so much thanks to Dwayne The Rock Johnson for being Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Huge thanks to the people behind the Fast and Furious uh, movie series, uh, because without which we would actually have to talk about things that are happening in the world every so often. Uh, minor thanks goes out to the Godzilla series of WB movies that may lo- no longer exist, uh, but you they were certainly interesting to explore at the time. And future thanks, of course, to the Venomverse, which will only grow stronger every year, I have no doubt. Oh, yes, the symbiote grows stronger with every passing moment. Right. Uh, So included in that is uh, the following people uh, in no particular order. Tom Hardy, Woody Harrelson, Jared Leto, and whatever other problematic people the Venomverse pulls into itself. Yes, of course. Thank you, Morbius. Yeah, the living vampire, as he's called. Yeah, Morbius, Venom, Mysterio. Is he not a real vampire? Is that the whole twist? I think his whole thing is he's not really a vampire. He's just very close to a vampire. So he's basically Vamp from Metal Gear Solid 2. And of course, thank you to Hideo Kojima uh, for creating the uh, best series of video games slash movies. Thank you, Shinji Mikami, for being the creative force behind Resident Evil 4 and God Hand. Uh, yeah, that's my thanks. And of all, as, as always, and you're going to have to help me with this one. Thanks to the creative force behind Shin Godzilla. Oh boy. Uh, Hideaki Anno. Hideaki, Hideaki Anno. Hideaki Anno. Yeah. For creating Shin Godzilla. And for finishing, uh, I watched this all in one day, uh, the the reboot series of Neo Genesis Evangelion, which I'm, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, John, way more optimistic than the first pass. 
Really? More optimistic really? than End of Evangelion? Yeah, way more optimistic than that. More optimistic than Tang? Uh, the space drink? Yeah, you know, the orange goop? No, um, I have no idea. Oh, it's fine. Was that really optimistic? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, I should watch it. I love Evangelion. They're all on Amazon Prime. Really? Yeah, and all four of them. I should watch them all. And, and, and Amazon Prime even has the director's cut of the first one, which is apparently better than the first pass of the first one. I don't know that I've seen the director's cut. I'll watch them. They're good. I like them. Uh, the voices might, the English voice cast make, might take a little while to get used to, but you, you get used to it. I'm, I mean, I, uh, I like a dub. I like a good dub. Great Pretender on Netflix. Watch that. No idea what that is. Don't worry about it. Okay. But I think it's time. We've given our thanks, John, and so there's only one thing left to do, and that is to tell the viewers, they can't see us, to tell our dear fans how... I don't want to say this next part. Why did you write this script this way? I Listen, I do what comes naturally. All right. I, John has written here, and I have to say it. There's nothing left to do but tell our dear fans how they can thank us. Uh, it is what it is. I'm sorry. I know it's thematic, but it seems self-aggrandizing. I'm just saying I think it's important that our fans are finally cowed. And how they you... know who, who, who the powerful one in the relationship is. Us? Yeah, we create I, the content, and then they come suckle at the teat. That doesn't sound right. How do you spell cowed as you used it right there? C-O-W-E-D? Really? It's just the animal past tense. The past tense of an animal. Yeah, the once was cowed. <laughs> once was a cow, now is cowed. That's The English language is very funny. If you want to send us thanks, I'm just reading the script as written as John wrote it. John, for some reason, thinks you should pay us homage. If you want to pay us homage, you can do so in the following ways. Go to Twitter.com and write a tweet to at ZCPCWHJ. And John, of course, knows what that stands for. That stands for go to omaze.com slash zero credits to win a Hennessy Power Ford F-150. You get it, you get taxes are paid for it and a trip to Belize. That's not right. Exactly, John. Uh, if you want to send us a longer sort of more of a tribute, like you might present to a cult-like workplace... You can send us an email to email at zerocredits.net, and we also like cash. Why does you write it like this? We're also on a plethora of different uh, podcast scrapers and apps, including your Apple Podcasts, your, your Spotify's, your Pod Chasers, your Good Pods, and your um, – I'm forgetting one. Did I say Spotify? Let's say Spotify. And I've read an article that apparently um, leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts doesn't actually help us in any way, shape, or form. But leave us reviews wherever you want us to leave us reviews. And we, 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 will, we don't care. We don't care if it doesn't help us. We like when people talk about us. But the most important thing you can do 
And we've always said this, tell someone about our podcast. So you're going to be around a table, presumably. I'm presuming way too much. It could be insulting how much I'm presuming. You're going to talk to somebody over this Thanksgiving period. And uh, why don't you just tell them that the podcast exists? We're kind of funny. We've been compared. I don't mean to brag. We've been compared to Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. That's been done. We've been compared to them. I don't know how fair that comparison is. I'm just saying it has happened. And uh, we talk about things that are happening. Tell people about the podcast because word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. And that is a a factual statement. Now, you're going to be, as Henry said, around a table with a lot of people who maybe don't share the same beliefs with you. Some of them uh, maybe are centrist or believe people don't have health care or participated in the riot and storming of the Capitol on January 6th. Put that all behind you. I want you, captain of the table, the Thanksgiving table, to look everyone in the eyes and say, I know we all have our differences. But we can all get through this. We can all meet in the middle if everyone would stand to listen to a recitation of the song Get Back Up Again, performed by Anna Kendrick on the soundtrack of the 2016 anime film Trolls. We can begin to heal this nation. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits Thanksgiving Food <laughs> Table. To wish you a happy Thanksgiving. My favorite kind of table. The food table? The food table. Hey, uh, where'd you put that food? Oh, the food table? Gotcha. Happy Thanksgiving and goodbye. Goodbye.